a tomb. Chapter 17, verse 19. I really want to communicate this message to you today, so would you help me preach and not just... Uh, you won't sit back on me today, will you? You don't look like a sit-down crowd this week. You're not, are you? You're acting like it right now. You're not, are you? Thank you, thank you. I kept thinking maybe they'll get... <laughs> Praise God. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 19. He loveth transgression that loveth strife. He that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. He that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. The book of Revelation chapter 3. Verse number 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. And he said, He that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. Today my subject is the apostolic gate. The apostolic gate. Frances Diaz has requested prayer for her son, Freddie. He is sick today. Before we're seated, let's pray that God's will be done in this service and also that uh, the Lord touch little Freddie today. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to touch Freddie with your anointing touch. We ask you, God, in the name of the Lord, to heal him. Touch him with the blood of Jesus. Touch me today, Lord, as I try to preach the word of God. Anoint my mind and my heart and my spirit today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Well, are we ready? All right, you may be seen. Just checking you out, see if you're listening. The scripture that I read to you out of the book of Proverbs appears to be a little different to our modern day thinking especially he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction does that make any sense to you be honest now does that make sense to you in the bible times gates were very important they not only allowed entry they also prohibited exit and most of the time, in Bible times, their vineyards, all of their possessions, their worldly goods, everything they had materially in the world were within the confines of the walled-in portion of their land. And the only way to get into the land was through the gate. Not like it is today that uh, a man might own 40 or 60 or 80 acres and it not be fenced or, or somehow held in. But in Bible days, it was usually restricted somehow, and there was an entry point, and that was usually through a gate. And this scripture is dealing with the man that exalted his gate, seeketh destruction. The word exalt is the word that it all hinges on there. What does it mean to exalt your gate? 
And the Bible language, of course, it was written in the Hebrew. And the original meaning of the word exalteth means this. He that makes his gate higher, or he that raises his gate up to a great height. I think the meaning is not only literal but symbolic as well. Do you remember the scripture in the Bible, probably heard it referred to, about the camel going through the eye of a needle? Many of us think of a little needle that we sew with, we think, man, there's no way. But when I was in the Holy Land, I saw what they were referring to when they made reference to the eye of the needle. The eye of a needle was a gate. It was an entry point, and it was a gate that was low, so that the camel could only go through the eye of the needle if he unburdened himself and got down on his knees and crawled through that gate. So the message that Jesus was giving, that's why he made reference to the rich man and the camel. That's why he said it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven because the camel had to get on his knees and unburden himself and the rich man would have to unburden himself and get down on his knees and much of the time they're not willing to do that. You remember the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, I've kept all these things from my youth up. But Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus told him, one thing thou lackest. He was not able to unburden himself and get down on his knees and pass through the eye of the needle of the restricted gate. Now you listen to me today because I really want this church to hear what I've got to say. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus made reference to the gate. He said, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to what? Life. But broad is the gate, wide is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. He that exalteth his gate, he that makes it bigger, he that makes it higher, so that it will allow more things in and more things out. The Bible said, He that enlargeth his gate seeketh destruction. There is an overwhelming pressure on the religious world today to enlarge our gate. There is a tremendous move in television and radio preachers to enlarge the gate, to get away from the old path of the narrow gate and the straight way. But let's make it bigger so that everybody can get in the gate. Let's make it bigger so a man doesn't have to remove his burdens when he comes through the gate. Let's make it so big that he can keep all of the worldliness that is in his heart when he comes in. And he'll never have to change and he'll never have to unburden himself. But the Bible said, He that enlargeth his gate seeketh destruction. There has got to be in this day and age an apostolic gate with a gatekeeper that says we're not making it any bigger. We're not making it any wider. We are keeping the gate the way it's always been. If you're coming in this gate, you've got to unload yourself of some things. You've got to get down on your knees and you've got to pass through the gate just like everybody else has passed through the gate. Praise God. It is a straight gate. It is a wide gate. And it is a restricted way. They pressure us, and me in particular, for new methods and new techniques. It can be anything. It can be anything in the world. But they're always saying spiritually, 
Exalt your gaze. Make it a little higher. How many times have I heard people say, if you just wouldn't preach quite so strict, if your church would back off just a little bit, you'd have a whole lot more people in your church. You don't understand, sir, the day that we exalt our gates and the day that we enlarge our gates is the day that the Bible tells me that I begin to seek destruction. If I make this gate so big that it'll let anybody in, we'll have nothing here. There has got to be an apostolic gate. Let me read you a few scriptures that just lend to this. Very beautiful scriptures when you understand them in the light of what I'm saying. Listen to this. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go in to them, and I will praise the Lord. The gates of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. That's what I want to go into. The man said, open to me the gate of righteousness, and I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. The gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and become my salvation. Hear me now. We're talking about the gate. The very next verse said, the stone which the builder refused has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. The man said, open up to me the gates of righteousness, God, and I will go in and I will praise the Lord. He went on to say, but the stone that the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. I want you to know that there is a foundation stone in this gate, and his name is Jesus Christ. In fact, he said in the book of John, chapter 10, he said, I am the door. If any man come any other way, the same is a thief and a robber. I want you to know that there's only one way. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the gate, I am the door, I am the foundation's home. There is no other way to get into this than by the name and person of Jesus Christ. That's why the apostles declared in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, he said, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved because he is the door. You do not enter this thing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You come in in the name of Jesus. As many as believed on him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There's a gate, there's an apostolic gate, but the cornerstone of that apostolic gate is Jesus Christ. The cries come not only from without, not only do the sinners and the woe be gone cry in large gates. Not only does the man that comes with his Marlboros in his pocket and his Jack Daniel body bottle in his in his house, not only do they come and clamor, lighten up, make your gate a little bigger. There's some things I don't want to give up. He's not the only one that cries to us today. There is always that subtle innuendo, clamoring voice from the inside that says, why don't you loosen up a little bit? 
Why don't you make the gate a little bit bigger? I'm going to tell you what, you can make the gate so big that the watchman cannot catch everything that goes out. You can make the gate so big that he cannot catch everything coming in. No, he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. There's got to be an attitude in a church that says the gate is fixed. I'll get on my knees. I'll take off my burdens. But I'm going through that gate. The devil will not stop me. I will get through the gate. Praise God. Praise God. There is an apostolic gate in the world today. When you read the book of Acts, you realize that they had an apostolic gate. I thank God for what we have in the New Testament. The apostle John was disturbed. And he said, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Evidently, they had began to tamper with the gate. Jesus had put the restrictions on the gate and built it. And there were those that had begun to say, that's not important. That's not important. This is not important. This is not important. No, let me tell you something. We, and I thank God for it, we are a part of a movement. I don't even like the word organization in this, in this frame of thinking. We are a part of a movement of people all across America, all around the world, that want the apostolic way. I'm telling you, we want it out of the Bible. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think I do. I think you feel just like I do, that I really want my salvation to be lifted right off the pages of the Bible. I don't want an interpretation. I don't want 16 explanations. I don't want to have to go to catechism to figure out what they're trying to tell me. I want to read it out of the Bible for myself. I want my soul and my mind and my heart to say, I see it. I see it. I understand it. Thank God that's what I've got right there, what's in that book. I want an apostolic gate. I don't want a charismatic gate. I want an apostolic gate. I don't want a modern day gate. I want it just like Peter had it. I want it just like Paul had it. I want it just like Thomas had it. Give it to me, preacher. Give me an apostolic gate. If I got to get rid of some things, I'll get rid of them. If I got to get on my knees, I'll get on them. But give me the gate. I want the gate. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm telling you, I feel what I'm preaching in my heart today. Because this is the spirit that comes against the church. This is the spirit that comes against the preacher. The voice cries from without, the voice cries from within, and the voice cries from other gatekeepers. Other men will cry to me and say, I opened up my gate a little bit. Things still going good. Two times in the last week, I had a preacher tell me that he had allowed something in his church that I have stood against, that I have said no to. I don't mind trying to say what it is. Twice in the last week, a preacher sat and talked to me and said, I have been able to successfully use video in my church. He said, I, I, my people don't have it. We just use it in our church. You know what he's really saying to me? He is saying to me, I have enlarged my gate and everything is still all right. I'm not here to debate or quibble about the fact whether they are or they aren't. What I am saying to you is somewhere the enlargement of the gate will catch you. And if you never start enlarging it, if you never start knocking out walls, if you never start taking a few bricks off here and there, you don't ever have to worry about it. 
sure I may not enjoy Walt Disney like they do. I may not enjoy some Moses and the Ten Commandments like they may. But thank God I can feel good about my gate. I can feel good about the fact that I'm not seeking destruction. Praise God. There is an apostolic gate. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, very familiar passage of scripture. Verse 41 said, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayer. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor among all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There are some things about an apostolic gate that are concrete Bible doctrine. The story of Lewis and Clark exploring America is an interesting story. There are places that we can absolutely document this is where Lewis and Clark stood because it is a rock or it is a cliff or it is, it is a mountaintop that has not been moved through the centuries. But there are other places that they document on their charts and, their, and the uh, guidelines that they wrote that are no longer there. Either that the earthquake has come and shook it loose or that the river has washed away the bank or somewhere. We can only approximate where they stood. We don't know the exact spot where they stood. Now you hear me. There are some things in this Bible that I may not know what the apostles taught on. There are some things that I may have to make a judgment as a pastor. And I'll just have to tell you, I don't know where they stood on this, but this is what's good for us. But you hear me today, there are some things that are absolute. There are some things that are crystal clear. There are some things that there is absolutely no doubt where the apostles stood. I know how Peter baptized. I know how Peter baptized. I know what they believe from the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. There is no doubt about that. That's part of our case. That's part of our entrance. That's part of our foundation. Because the apostles put it in the gate. That can never change. We'll never have a gospel that takes away from Acts 2.38. We'll never pray them through without them speaking in tongues. They'll never be saved without being baptized in the name of Jesus. Because that is a solid rock experience in the book of Acts. Praise God. I want this to be an apostolic church. And I'm speaking from the deep conviction of my heart today when I say this. I do not care if we stay up with modern trends and ideas. I do not care if we are in the latest vogue when it comes to Pentecostalism. I do not care if our singers mimic and imitate the singers at General Conference. I'm not at all concerned if we have what looks like the modern look to our church. 
And there are so many innuendos and thoughts and spirits that go along with this. And you understand as well as I do, I can't preach them all today. But there are spirits, there are attitudes, there are looks, there are certain things. Young people go on the meetings and they can look at it and say, that looks cool and that looks modern and that's in vogue. And, oh, let me tell you something. I'm not a bit concerned about that. What I am concerned about is I do not want to enlarge the gate. I want to make sure that I keep it just like the Bible had it and say, this is it. The only way you're going to get in. I want to be an apostolic church. There are things that accompany an apostolic church that the world does not understand. One thing that the apostolic church has got to have is apostolic ministry. I talked to a man recently. He didn't like something that was going on. That, well, I'll tell you what it was. He didn't like PSR. And he was really reading it down the river, telling me he didn't like it. I said, well, man, what's the problem? He said, well, it's causing me problems. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, my people go in and hear all this stuff. And, and uh, he was talking to me because I'm the one that preached against video, and he's got video. And, and anyways, then converts came home and said, how come we got this? Anyway, but uh, I said, well, man, that ain't no problem. I said, just get up in the pulpit and knock the snot out of PSR. No problem. Now, that's what I'd do. If I didn't like it and I felt it was hurting this church, do you think I'd answer around here and say, oh my goodness, what's going on? Man, I'd just get up and say, you know that PSR, I mean, going on over there. Don't nobody go there. We ain't going to that. I mean, you just have stuff in apostolic ministry. But just, when I told that man, I said, just get up and knock the snot out of it and tell people to stay away. He, he looked at me and his face literally fell. He said, I couldn't do that. I thought, I thought man, I'm glad I ain't where you are, bud. I'd hate to live in fear about what's the church board going to think. I'd hate to live in fear about, oh, so-and-so's a good tithe pair. And if I get up and say something hard, they're liable to leave. Let me tell you something. There is a God-called apostolic ministry that settles on a man. He's not arrogant. He's not brutal. He is not a dictator. But he does walk in the fear of God. And he is concerned about what God thinks about it. And he realizes he is put here as the candlestick of the church. And as long as God gives him a voice, he'll lift it against sin. He'll protect the flock. He will preach the gospel. He will preach the doctrine because God put an apostolic ministry in the church. Oh, let me tell you something. The United Pentecostal Church, I am a member of it. I have a card in my pocket that says I am an ordained minister with the United Pentecostal Church. I'm up to my ears in organization. Do you understand that? I'm not a guy over here taking pot shots at the organization. I just got appointed, for those of you that don't know this, I just got appointed as the editor of the Gospel Tidings, the paper of the Western District. I'm the guy that's going to write the paper, okay? Sister Allison's going to help me, maybe some more. But I'm just telling you, I'm up to my ears in organization. I, I'm in home missions up to here. i got more organization than I can stand. I'm telling you, I'm for organization. Do you understand that? But let me tell you something. This is a manual of the United Pentecostal Church. If you don't know what that is, and I try to live by that, but you hear me. I'll tell you what I live by. I live by the old black back book called the Holy Bible. And if the Bible is in cross with the manual, I live by the Bible. The manual is not from God. The Bible is from God. And if you've got an apostolic ministry, and you need to hear me well for the next two minutes. If you forget everything else I say, you better hear me well today. You can try to find a little legal loophole. Somebody did recently. They came to me and said, well, the manual says. The manual says. I didn't even fuss with them. I just said, take it and go. But you hear me. That manual is not the Bible. 
And when Revelation says the books were open and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, this ain't one of the books they was talking about. It's going to open up the 66 books of the Bible and you're going to be judged according to the apostolic input in that Bible. I'm telling you that there may be times that a preacher is right in the Holy Ghost and it don't mean tomfoolery what this book right here says. I'm for it. I'm up to my ears in organization. I believe in it. But this Bible is what's right. I am the shepherd. I am the preacher. I am the preacher for this church. And I've got to live by this Bible. I cannot make the gate bigger. I cannot knock out a wall so somebody can get through. I just got to say, if you want in this gate, take your burdens off. Get down on your knees. You're going to go through this gate just like everybody else went through this gate. Praise God. There are people that do not want or do not respect an apostolic ministry. Men get little power plays. Ushers, would you answer the phone? It's ringing. There are men that get interested in little power plays. They get on a church board. Or they get as a trustee. Or they get as an usher. Or a Sunday school teacher. Or anything else in the world. And get to thinking, wow, man, I'm pretty important right here. We respect you, we love you, and we appreciate the fact that you're in our church. But the pastor is the shepherd of the flock. And it will never change in an apostolic church as long as Jesus leads the church in the earth. If a pastor is wise and smart, he listens to advice. He counsels with his men. But there are going to be times, you listen to me well now, I feel like I'm almost speaking prophetically here. There are times, there are going to be times when God deals with the preacher and says walk and he's going to look around and they're going to be lagging back saying I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not. But God says you just walk. I'm telling you to walk. Abraham's family did not understand it when he left Ur of the Chaldees but he just walked looking for a city whose builder and maker was gone. It did not make sense to anybody but if you could go four or six hundred years down the road if you could go two thousand years down the road you would see a nation that was crammed from border to border with Israelites and Hebrews. They were from Dan to Beersheba. They were from the Jordan River all the way to the Mediterranean and he walked alone in his sandal foot and left footprints in the sand and had nobody to believe in his vision but God spoke to him. I'm telling you we got to have an apostolic ministry. It's part of our gate. If we ever lose an apostolic ministry we will be relegated to hirelings. We will be relegated to men that are hired and fired and listen to political plays and power struggles within the church. You better thank God we still got a hold of this. You better thank God that this is one of the things that remain. And I'm strengthening it today. I'm strengthening it today that it's got to remain. We can't change this gate. We can't knock the sides out of it. We've got to leave it just like it is. Praise God. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm preaching today. Apostolic ministry. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We're living in a day that challenges an apostolic ministry. Another part of this gate is apostolic worship. I know of a fact. I know the man personally. I know where he pastors and won't call the name of the town. It's not in this state. I know for a fact that he has told his church said, really, we are trying to win the lost. We are trying to win the charismatics. So don't get loud or boisterous with your worship. He has told his church, do not run the aisle. Do not shout. 
Do not jump. Just lift your hands calmly. Keep it all quiet. And that way we will worship in a manner that will entice them to come into our church. It's more prevalent than you think it is. You hear me? But I thank God for Apple Star Worship. The Bible said when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all them that therein is. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. I realize that to the natural man, it looks foolish. I realize to the natural man, they may not understand somebody running around this church or somebody else dancing in the aisle. But I'm here to tell you that it is apostolic worship. It is a part of our gate. If we knock out the walls of this gate and start letting that charismatic spirit in here and that little easy come, easy go attitude, I'm telling you, we will lose the conviction that that grips a man's heart when the altar call comes. I'm telling you, worship brings the presence of God into a building. It is not this little patty cake namby-pamby stuff, but it is when you throw open the door of your heart and you're willing to roll, you're willing to jump, you're willing to run, you're willing for the tears to flow. You don't make any difference. Just give me God. Then the presence of God comes into the building and sinners run to an altar and pour their heart out to God. And they really repent and they really get the Holy Ghost if we ever lose that apostolic worship, I'm telling you, our gate is going to get too big for us to hold it all in. When I read the Bible and read about apostolic giving, apostolic giving, we say that we're always thinking money, but let me tell you something, there was more than money involved. There was giving of themselves. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them brought the prices of the things that were sold and they laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made every man according as he had need. The Bible talks about Joseph that had land, he sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Apostolic giving said, whatever God wants out of me, I'm willing to give it. I am not too proud, I'm not too intimidated, I want to give God everything he has. Apostolic giving. There has got to be Apostolic outreach. Reaching out to people. The Bible said daily and in every house they cease not to teach and preach the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in going the way of the world. I'm interested in going the way of the Bible. And what has worked for 50 years still works today. We are not entering a new day that says people do not know. You don't understand God made man and man the same since the beginning of time. Men are no more wicked today than they were in the days of Noah. They may have invented new ways to be wicked, but their heart is still the same. Do you understand? Apostolic outreach. There has got to be apostolic love. Love for the sinner. Love for the lost. A heart that's tender and compassionate toward that which we see around us of people that are hurt and broken and they have no hope for tomorrow. That is apostolic, to reach out to them and say, let me tell you about Jesus. There has got to be, to keep this gate right, there has got to be apostolic doctrine. Apostolic doctrine. Apostolic doctrine. I told you the other night about that little piece of plate stuck in the ground in the middle of America. 
that all surveying is done off of. Every piece of land in America, that's the beginning point. That's the focal point. That's the, that is the beginning right there. You can go to it, and I believe it's in Kansas. It may, be, uh, it may not be, but I believe it is, and they've got it buried under the ground, and, and a surveyor can go to it and dig it out and put his mark on it and say, okay, we're going to measure. Now, you hear me. We measure from the book of Acts. We don't measure from the book of Romans when it comes to salvation. When it comes to salvation, thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord He is, uh, that, that the Lord is Christ, and, and all that. Let me tell you, we measure from the book of Acts. We measure, and in Acts chapter eight, they got exactly what they did in Acts chapter two. If the plate was right there, here's Acts chapter eight over here, the revival, Philip's revival, and he looks over there and says, "Yes, this measures up with Acts chapter two. They got the Holy Ghost spoken in tongues and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ." When you go to Acts chapter ten, you measure to that same plate, and you say, "Yes, it matches with Acts two thirty-eight." The Cornelius and his household got baptized in Jesus' name. They spoke in tongues when they got the Holy Ghost. Yes, it measures up. When you go over to Acts chapter nineteen and look at it and you find the followers of John and, and Paul came to them and said have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe they said we hadn't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost he said what then were you baptized they said unto John's baptism he said John there to baptize with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come out to him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands upon them the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied and that measured up with Acts chapter 2, I'm telling you, it is the focal point. Apostolic doctrine has got to come out of the book of Acts. And we cannot ever, ever make our gate bigger than it has been in the Bible. One very beautiful thing is that not only is the apostolic ministry, not only is the apostolic worship, apostolic giving, doctrine, also, Dalek. Do not. I don't mean this at all in a bad way. But I thank God that I don't attend a church that denies me the privilege of experiencing what they experienced in the book of Acts. I'm thankful to God that I come to a church. When you read it in the book of Acts, they put the finger on it and say, That right there is just for you. Everything in there is for you. God wrote that book just for you. The experience that you read about, the glorious, wonderful working of the Spirit of God is for you. I would hate to go to a church that reads that and says, yes, but that's only for the days of the apostles. That does not happen anymore. These people walked up here to be prayed for today, and I thank God that we still believe in an apostolic experience that heals people. The Bible said the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. The Lord shall raise them up. Do you realize in the book of Acts it was a com it was a compounded thing, it was a package deal. The Bible said Peter walking down the street that his very shadow fell upon them. Many were healed, multitudes were healed of diverse diseases. Do you understand that this world is crying for an apostolic experience? They are tired of being cheated by churches that promise but never produce. They're tired of the money gimmicks. Send me twenty-five and God will bless you tenfold. They're tired of the think and grow rich schemes. They're tired of positive mental attitudes. They've tried everything there is to try. They've tried all the alcoholic uh, bottles of spiritual religion that they can try. They have tried everything and got drunk on all of it. And they're just as miserable and wretched as they were when they began. But thank God there is an apostolic experience that does deliver from cigarettes, that does deliver from alcohol, that does deliver from drugs, that does deliver from immorality. 
does deliver from dishonesty and it puts you on the right path. You've got to take some things off. You've got to unburden yourself. You've got to get on your knees and make it through this gate. But thank God, I'm not going to exalt the gate just to let you through. You've got to come the way of all flesh. But there is an apostolic experience for you today. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life. Few there be that find it. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. I wish I could communicate to you today the conviction that I feel in my heart about this gate business. Recently I've been a little bit under the gun in the district and I've had several comments made to me about being hard. And it doesn't make me feel good. I don't feel happy about it. Somebody said to me, recently said, you must eat nails for breakfast. And it wasn't kind. It was like, you're so hard, you must eat nails for breakfast. And I thought, I've got hard in my heart. I'm not hard inside. I feel like saying, man, don't you understand? Those people are going to go to hell if you make a wrong step. Don't you understand that those little toys you're playing with out there are so unimportant when you go to making your gates so big that anything can get in? Oh, friend, I don't feel hard in my heart. I feel like a watchman that says, I'm not going to enlarge my gate. I'm not going to exalt it because if I do, the Bible says I seek destruction. Every man that ever went wrong started with one step in the wrong direction. You can't do it unless you make that first step. The devil is perfectly content to wait ten years if he can drag a whole church into the mire and the filth of this world. If he can break our convictions down about having a video in our church, Ten years from now, he knows he can break our conviction and bring it into our homes. I'm so disturbed about this pressure that comes on me from outside and other gatekeepers that says you're hard. You don't. You need to ease up. You need to enlarge your gate. You need to make it a little bigger. I, I, I feel like saying to them, "Don't you understand we're having revival? Don't you understand that people love God? That that our people are not under any heavy burden. That they want to do what's right." Oh, for him. He that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. The UPC is probably not everything I want it to be. But as far as I'm concerned at this point in time, it is the best thing there is in America. I know other organizations. I could name them here today that said, let's exalt our gate, open our arms, Let's forget some of these old straight ideas we've had and open arms to the world. And they have sought destruction. Today they do not have the miraculous working of the power of God. My heart is hungry. I have been stirred recently. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the workings of the miraculous. Oh God, I want to see that in our church. But we're not going to see it 
we just go to make it again, bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to have to stay to the place where we say, take your burdens off and get down on your knees and walk through the gate just like everybody else. Would you lift your hands and love the Lord with me right now? Oh, God. about Brother Clark talking to me recently. And I don't think you have any concept of how much pressure can be put upon me. Not only by preachers but by the devil and all these things. He rides me just like he rides you. And he says, is that really necessary? Why are you putting this burden on these people? They can be saved without it. Brother Clark came to me recently and he began to ask me questions. He began to ask me questions like, what do you do if people miss church on Friday night? Just stay home. Do you excuse that? I said, no, that is not allowable or acceptable in our church. I won't enjoy being that way. There are times I'd like to just say, look, I give in to your flesh. There are times I feel your pressure. There are times that I feel the voice clamoring to me from within that says, make the gate a little bigger. Please. I want, I want to be able to walk through without getting down. I want to carry my burden without unloading it. But when Brother Clark talked to me about that, I thought, well, God, maybe, maybe it isn't all in vain. Maybe if somebody would just keep on keeping the gate Somewhere, someplace, some wayward soul will say, you know what, I want to find a place that's got the old time gate. And I can't just come in any old way. They come in nowadays with shaggy hair, men, long, sideburns, beards, and mustaches, jewelry hanging on them. Women come in looking well in and godly, wearing men's clothes and makeup and cut hair and jewelry, all that stuff. But if they've ever been exposed to the true gate, and they walk into a church that pats them on the back and says, oh, it's all right. They're going to say, no, I remember a place that I had to get rid of my burdens. I remember a place I had to get down on my knees to get through it. But once I got inside, I felt safe. Once I got inside, it was beautiful. And the gatekeeper could watch over me. And he knew what went in and out of that gate. Because the gate was just big enough for him to take care of. I don't want to exalt that gate. I don't want to make it higher. I don't want to enlarge it. I don't want to raise it up to a great height. I want an apostolic gate that the Bible says strengthen the things which remain 
that are ready to die. We're going to sing this little chorus again. I wonder if you'd close your eyes and sing it with us. I feel the presence of God today. I hope you do. Let's reach out to God a little bit here today. We need this. We need to strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. Serving God is beautiful. while they sing suffering. But let me tell you something. If that cry has been in your heart, that Brother Bo, I wish in a narrow way, I am thankful God that you're still the cornerstone of our gate. I am thankful God that this gate is the gate to heaven. While we sing it in your own private little world, while we sing this, close your eyes and sing it to God. If those spirits have been bothering you, wash them out today in the Holy Ghost. God, I want to stay with what's right. I don't want to listen to the voice that wants me to let down on my holiness. I don't want to listen to the voice that lets me let down on missing church. I want to get back right, God. I'll serve Him because I love Him. I feel today but I feel the Holy Ghost today I feel it in a real way I feel like people have been struggling with the very thing that I have preached about today 
that you have struggled and said it's too straight, it's too narrow. Maybe I could find me a church that wouldn't be quite so straight. We're going to sing it again. You really need to come to this altar today and just bear your heart to God. This will be the close of our service. There won't be any dismissal per se. We're going to sing this. Those that would like to come and pray, you come and seek the Lord. When you're through, you may leave and go home. But we do need to seek God today. I feel a need in my heart. Some people really need to seek God today. Would you be willing to come while we sing it again? We're not going to make it higher. It's an apostolic gate. Beautiful. Serving God is beautiful.